So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in two spots today. We're going to be in Luke 2 and Matthew 2. But today's teaching is called The Day That Love Was Born. We're in this series, Extraordinary People, Extraordinary Savior. And God's love is portrayed in a personal and human story. The birth of our extraordinary Savior, Jesus Christ. The day that love was born, God reached down from heaven with his message of love that the kingdom of God is for everyone. It's for the whole world. These last couple of weeks, we heard about the accounts of how God worked in the lives of Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph, ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And today on the birth of Jesus Christ, we were looking at different lives of different groups of people that came for Jesus. We'll be looking at the rejected, the outcasts, the shepherds. He came for them. Those who were close to God, that were in the temples, Simeon and Anna, they were devoted to their Jewish faith, and they were close with God, and they had a promise from God. Simeon should not see death before he had seen the Lord. They were close to God, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They needed a Savior. And those who were far away, the wise men, they were far away. They didn't grow up around the things of God. They didn't worship God, yet they were about to encounter Jesus Christ. And Luke 2 may be the, the most familiar and beloved portion of Luke's Gospels. This is an old story, but it's forever new to us. And as God's people, we never get tired of hearing it, do we? Luke's account gives us a glimpse of what God wants us to understand, that God really does share in human history. Luke emphasizes how God's love portrayed in a very personal and human story, the birth of Christ, the Christmas story, which you and I grew up reading. And I love this verse because it's what the great theologian Linus said, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And that's what we're going to see. Jesus came as a newborn baby the day that love was born. Our extraordinary Savior reaching down from heaven into our lives. While Jesus was weak as any other baby, humanly speaking, he was also the center of power as far as the heavens were concerned. So the question is, why did Jesus come? And we know that, right? We know that he came to seek and save the lost. But I think the better question is, who did Jesus come for? Who did Jesus come for? And the key to understanding this is knowing that God's love and redemption is for everyone. All of us, ordinary people, experience the love of an extraordinary Savior. So the birth of Jesus begins with God subjecting himself to human time. The same time which you and I are born in, we grow up, we work in, we work our relationships out with one another in. Jesus born, the Son of God, would live and die in the very history over which he rules today. A.T. Pearson put it like this, history is his story. History is is his story. Now, this is his story. The day that love was born, our extraordinary Savior, Jesus Christ. In Luke 2, it says this. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 2, 
verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that was taken place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now, when we hear this, we might wonder, why begin this account with a decree from man rather than a decree from God? Caesar Augustus was ruling, but God was in charge. God is sovereign, and he's on his throne in heaven. And God used this edict to move Mary and Joseph about 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill his word. If God's word controls our lives, then the events of history only help us to fulfill the word of God. In Jeremiah 1.12, it says it like this, The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And that's God's promises, that God's promises are fulfilled. And all this occurred just as Scripture had said. And Caesar unknowingly played an important part. Sometimes we feel that we're too ordinary for God to use for his purpose. Throughout the Bible, we see God using everyday, ordinary people in extraordinary ways. And that's our series, Ordinary People an extraordinary Savior. So I have a question for you today. Where does the mission of the ordinary of people of God take place? Where does the mission of the ordinary people of God take place? It takes place wherever you are, right here and right now. Because God will use ordinary people to do the extraordinary for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And now in verse 4, it says this, Joseph, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. They were engaged. And remember, God came to Joseph in a dream. And verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The Savior of the world was born. Jesus' birth drew Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. The intention to count all the ordinary people was Caesar so that he would know who belonged to him. But it was God's intention to show that people everywhere, ordinary people like us, belonged only to God. For God so loved the world, all of us. Mary and Joseph were counted as submissive to Caesar's will, but they were really submitting to God's purpose and his will in their lives. So I have another question. Are we submitting to God's will in our lives? the purpose that he has for our lives, his will. Do we recognize the divine appointments that God has placed in our paths and pray for the guidance and sharing the good news, the gospel? For unknown to Caesar and the world that day, God's new census was being declared. 
Jesus would go on to say as an adult in Mark 12, 17, he said this, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. From these words of Jesus, we understand that when we give back to God what is his, what I really mean is when we give our hearts and our obedience to him, we discover that even though we are subject to earthly powers, we are at the same time counted as sons and daughters of our God. And it's clear to us that our extraordinary God was working things through ordinary people as they were submitting to God's will in their lives, his plan for the world. And for all of us as we walk out our journey of obedience with the Lord, Caesar's decree sets the stage for God's decree to the shepherds. Luke helps us see that Christ's birth was announced first to very common and ordinary people just like us today. Remember the question, who did Jesus come for? Well, Jesus came for everyone. He came for the whole world. Jesus came for the rejected, the unlovable. He came for all of us. Now in verse 8, we're going to hear about the shepherds. And the shepherds were considered outcasts. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were terrified. In in 10, Luke 2.10, it says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. The birth of our Savior. That's amazing. Our Savior is born The angels are announcing something that the Jewish people have been waiting for. They've been longing for for hundreds of years. They were waiting for their Messiah. It's kind of like Dolphin fans, right? We're waiting to go back to the Super Bowl. How long has it been, right? Well, I'm a Browns fan. I've been waiting forever because we've never been there. But the first that heard this announcement of Jesus' birth were these shepherds. This is amazing as shepherds were considered very low in stature. They were considered not reliable. These shepherds outside of Bethlehem were probably most likely watching over the sheep that were owned by the priests and used for the sacrifice in the temple. But these common, unclean outcasts, these ordinary shepherds, ordinary like us, they were the first to hear of the birth of our extraordinary Savior, Jesus Christ. The angel appeared to them with good news about Jesus' birth. And what God is saying here is this. Our extraordinary Savior includes outcasts, sinners, and common, ordinary people among those he cares for and loves. It isn't hard for us to understand just how overwhelmed that they might have been, these shepherds might have been, right? Wouldn't have you? I mean, come on now. The angel appears, they were terrified. 
And it's no wonder that they were terrified. But in their response to their understandable fear, the first words that were spoke to them were, fear not. Even these ordinary shepherds had no need to be fearful, and as us as well have no need to be fearful. God is very intentional. He reigns over both our ordinary and our extraordinary circumstances. The angels brought good tidings of great joy for all the people. Our joy comes in the morning. As we dwell in his shelter and we abide in his shadow, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He has ordained us as ordinary as we may be for good and holy work, for he's a sovereign and holy God. There's no need for us to fear with God. And then came the greatest news of all. It says this, I bring you good news that will great cause great joy for all the people. Jesus came for all the people. He came for everyone. Not just for the Jews or the upper class, but for everyone. This is thrilling and it gives us hope. Sometimes that we feel that we're too ordinary for God to use for his purposes. Throughout the Bible, we see God using everyday ordinary people in extraordinary ways. All through Luke's gospel, we will see ordinary people like you and I, not kings and priests who will discover God's care and his love. And now Luke describes a scene that was inspiring and challenging at the same time. In Luke 2, 2.13, it says this, Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Christmas is about God's glory. When God gets the glory in our lives, we get peace in our lives. One of Jesus' names is the Prince of Peace. I think peace is something that everyone here is longing for. And one of the first things that the angel says about Jesus, that when he comes, he will bring you peace. Jesus' birth, our extraordinary Savior, drew the angels from heaven God felt like the birth of Jesus was so important that he made this incredible announcement. He sent an entire angel choir to proclaim the glory of Jesus. But he didn't send the choir to the palace, to the kings. He didn't send it to the group of elite people. He sent the choir to lonely, outcast shepherds. And this would be like preparing the world's greatest football game. We know it's the Super Bowl, right? Preparing the Super Bowl and just having it played over here in an orange grove for a couple people that are picking oranges or just playing it in someone's backyard. But I think what God is saying here is something more significant. What he's saying there is if some of you have been around church for a while, And if some of you are new here, we're glad you're here today. But what God is saying is so important. The very first people that heard about the birth of our Savior was a group of people, shepherds, that were some of the least respected members of society. They were outcasts. They were rejected and forgotten, ridiculed by others. They took the job that nobody else would want. And God said, you guys will be the first ones to hear 
about the Savior of the world, ordinary people. I want to say today, if you've been ever been rejected, if you've been ridiculed or outcast or feel like an outcast, Jesus came for you today. He was born for each and every one of us. Jesus loves you, and he wants you to know that he came for you to give you peace. And Christmas is all about God's glory. It's about him declaring who he is and what his mission was, and his mission is to seek and save the lost, all of us. But when God gets glory in our lives, we get peace. So yes, Christmas is about God's glory, but it's also about our peace. It's about our peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, provides peace with God. He provides peace with others. He provides peace with ourselves. But he also provides that peace in those trials and those storms that come each and every day. And one day, he will bring peace to the world. The meaning of the first Christmas carol of peace on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests, this is the will of God. Jesus said that those who believe in him whom the Father has sent, if we believe in Jesus Christ who the Father has sent, we will indeed, regardless of what's going on around us externally, that we will experience peace in our hearts when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. And then we can thank God for that peace. We can experience the good news, the great joy that came that day, the love that was born to each and every one of us, our extraordinary Savior. How amazed the angels must have been when they saw the Creator being born, the Word coming to life as a speechless baby. As we live out the glory of God and the peace and the hope that only he can provide, our only response from our hearts is worship and wonder. Great is the mystery of our extraordinary Savior. Now to verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the things that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. What a great response these shepherds had to this heavenly message. And the point here is nobody has experienced the magnificence of God and remained the same. We can't. Ordinary people in the hands of an extraordinary Savior. Verse 16 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger when they said to him, had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them, sharing the good news, the love of Christ with others. It was no wonder that they hurried off to find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And for us, once we see Emmanuel, God with us lying in that manger, and we know that he came to die for us, you can't help but do what these shepherds did. You can't help but spread the good news about God's love for each and every one of us. And then verse 20 says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were as they had been told. Sharing the joy of their good news with everyone they met. Are we sharing the good news 
with everyone that we meet? Do we share the gospel of love with the people that we work with, the people that we play with at the pickleball courts in our backyards? Do we do that? And then in verse 25, we're going to see who else Jesus came for. He came for a man called Simeon. Simeon was a devout man. He had been waiting. He had been praying. But he still needed to meet Jesus. His life would not be complete without meeting Jesus. You know, some of the people here, some of you are church kids, and you grew up around church. And if you grew up around church and you have the Christian faith, you may know who God is but do you have a relationship with him? It's not enough to just know who God is. It's about having a personal relationship with him. Like Simeon, Jesus came for you as well. Now the scene shifts now to eight days later when Mary and Joseph were traveling to the temple and Jesus was presented at the temple. And this was the first step that will happen 33 years later when Jesus again will be in Jerusalem and named King of the Jews. As we see all through Jesus' life, he has a life and a journey of obedience to the will of his Father. Luke now tells us about Simeon who had been waiting his whole life for this promise. Simeon was probably over 100 years old, but he had a promise from the Holy Spirit. And Simeon believed the Holy Spirit. And it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not die before he had seen the Lord Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, saying this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised you may now dismiss your servant in peace. We live by the promises of God. We live by the promises of God, not the explanations of the word of the world. In verse 30, it says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what had been said. Then Simeon blessed them. And then in verse 36, we see the prophetess Anna. And Anna was around the temple her whole life, but she didn't know who Jesus was. In verse 36, it says, There was a prophet, prophetess Anna, the daughter of Penel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Scripture says that she never left the temple, but she worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. You know, she had had a disappointment. And for some of us this year, we've had disappointments, haven't we? We may have lost a loved one. We may have lost a job. There's disappointments. 
The word tells us that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. And Anna, after losing her husband, could have became bitter, but instead she became better. She became blessed, and she gave herself to the Lord. Anna made a choice to put her hope in God despite her loss and her disappointment. And we need to be like Anna, make that choice. Invest in the things of God. Be all in. And if this year you've had disappointments and you've suffered, God, Jesus came for you as well. And this was a way to point us to finding our true selves in our daily walk as we continue to give ourselves wholeheartedly to God completely in our obedience. Jesus came for those who were near, who grew up around the faith, but still needed an encounter with Jesus. I wonder if, like Simeon, we would be willing to journey a whole lifetime in search of such a promise. The good news for us is we don't have to wait a whole lifetime to discover Jesus and the promises of God. Our extraordinary God can make promises that are believable. The good news came to Anna at 84 years old. Mary and Anna were the first of many women who would find the presence of God in Jesus. And how wonderful was it that Anna and Simeon in their old age were able to witness the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. These accounts give us hope and peace that this fulfillment can come to us as well. There is no true peace in life or death without Jesus. For these years that they were waiting, they were years of expectancy. And for us, this is a time of service, a time of waiting on the Lord and expectancy. Oswald Chambers says it like this, All of God's people are ordinary people who have been made extraordinary by the purpose He has given them. Our purpose to believe and receive our extraordinary Savior, Jesus Christ, in our life as our Savior and our Lord. And share with the world the good news that Jesus Christ's love, that he came for everyone, the whole world. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He has ordained us as ordinary as we may be for good and holy work. We can expect the extraordinary out of our God to meet our ordinary needs in extraordinary ways. Seeing his faithfulness in our lives gives us shouts of joy when adversity comes, bounty and blessings when we're in enemy territory, and unearned favor in unexpected times. The peace and hope that he provides. Because his character is proven, you can take great comfort in knowing that God is our never-ending, never-leaving, never-forsaking, and always loving Father no matter what's going on in our lives. And this last group of people that we're going to look at is in Matthew 2. And Jesus came for those who are spiritual, but not religious, or those who were far away. They know about who God is, but they don't have a relationship. This story is about the Magi that visited the Messiah. In Luke 2.1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, 
in Judea. During the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now we know very little about these men, and I'm probably going to disappoint some of you because it says these, these Magi, they were not kings. Okay, you know that song, We Three Kings of Or. Do you guys know it? Okay, they weren't kings, right? Magi is translated as wise men. This refers to a group of scholars who studied the stars. Their titles connected them with magic, but they were more like astrologers. And that is why they were looking at the stars. However, their presence in the Bible is recorded is not a divine endorsement for astrology. But God had given them a special sign, a miraculous star that announced the birth of the king, the star that led them to Jerusalem, where God's prophets told them that the new king would be born in Bethlehem. They went to Bethlehem where they worshiped the child. This was the fulfillment of the prophecies to prove that Jesus Christ is king. He is our Messiah. The prophecies say in Matthew 1.20 that he will be born of a woman, born of a virgin, and that he would be born in Bethlehem. Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah and Savior, the name above every name, and the world will recognize that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in Bethlehem, there was no better place than Bethlehem, which Bethlehem means the house of bread. And this is where the bread of life came to earth. God's love reached down to each and every one of us. In Matthew 2.10, it says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know how many magis they were, but from these three gifts listed, we can assume there were three of them. But keep in mind, these men were Gentiles. And we know from the very beginning that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world, the Savior of all people. No one who follows the light God gives him, no one can miss worshiping at the feet of Jesus. These men who believed in spirituality, but they were far from God. And just like us, if you're far from God, Jesus came for you. And Matthew continues this account and tells us that after worshiping the babe and leaving their gifts, and we know this account, that God had warned them in a dream not to go back through Jerusalem. Our extraordinary Savior was warning them. God's plan warned Joseph in a dream to go to Egypt immediately. And years later, when Herod's death, Joseph was again assured in a dream that it was safe to go back to Israel. Here again, we see God's plan exceeding Joseph's imagination and ours. For this is the setting in Nazareth of Galilee that our extraordinary Savior was to share with the world the good news, his message of peace and love. The gospel of the kingdom of God is for everyone. Jews and Gentiles alike, God embraces the whole world. Now, as we get ready to close, 
and have the band come back up. I want to remind you of how we started, that it was glory to God and peace on earth. In other words, when Jesus comes into our lives, we get peace. Remember Simeon, who held Jesus in his arms, and he said this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I have seen Jesus. I have seen my Savior. I have peace. There is no true peace in life or death without Jesus. Jesus came for everyone, and you can have peace today. You may not have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to have that. You may feel like you're rejected, one of the rejected, or one of those people who have been in church, but you don't have a relationship with God. Or like the wise men, spiritual, but far away from God. Or you've backslidden. I'm going to give you an opportunity to have that peace to receive Jesus Christ into your life today. An opportunity for you to know him personally and to be an ordinary person with an extraordinary Savior. Romans 10.9 says this, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, if you bow your heads and you want to take this time to receive Jesus Christ into your life, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And this is between you and God. It's not about anything, anybody here at the church. It's about your personal relationship with God. You might feel rejected. You might feel far away. If that's you, just raise your hand. If you've backslidden and you want to have that relationship with Jesus and you want to believe that he died for you in your sins, I'm going to give him about another 10 seconds and then we're going to pray. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Your son, Jesus, our extraordinary Savior, died for my sins. And that you raised him to life. And I want to trust in him and follow him all the days of my life as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to receive him today and move forward. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide my life and help me to do your will. And I pray all this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.